Charlie, we are, as you know, moving from the cot to the big bed and look, it's not going well. I really hope we can get some answers from our expert today. Well, Osh, uh, we all like giving our kids treats from time to time. Maybe it's a bribe, maybe it's a reward, but are we setting ourselves up for disaster? Is it a bad precedent? We'll talk about all that more today on Dad Pod. Hello and welcome to Dad Pod. I'm Charlie Clawson. He is Osher Ginsberg, and we are G'day. here to be better dads. Osh, how has your week been? Well, as as you know, this week we, we we've been the journey from the big bed to the cot is not as oh, easy this is as the from ongoing to saga of the big bed. Yeah, it's going from a mini series to oh, you got a limited edition. Well, yeah. uh, Netflix has picked it up, have they? No, no. Oh. We're moving to box set pretty quickly. Oh, we're moving gosh. to. Yeah, Ten seasons. yeah, we're moving to all seasons available now for streaming. We have, we have since changed tactics around this, but Wolf, we've got him in the big bed and the cod is still in the room and he's all gung-ho about being in the big bed. It's like, I want to sleep in my big bed. I want to, yes, Wolf, I know you want to sleep in the big bed. You're going to sleep in the big bed. It's going to be awesome. I'm like, read him a couple of books, tell him a story about his day, sing him a song. I say, okay, Wolf, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go. Okay, no problem, Dad. And I get up and by the time my hand's on the door, he's at my feet. <laughs> Like he's, he's right into it, but then he just can't hold on past that. So I was thinking, well, how can I desensitize him to me? Because he's starting to, what are kids like? I guess they, they, they look for the stimulus. They look for the most stimulating yeah. thing, which is why saying no to you is exciting because they're like, they know there's going to be stimulus there. There's yeah. no, they know there's going to be, and someone's arcing up and then, well, this is exciting. So I'm trying to reduce the stimulus around me leaving because he's watching me like a hawk, mm. ready for my mm. muscle. He's like a, you know, an NFL linesman watching for the quarterback's ankle twitch to know yeah. which way to jump. He's looking for tells. Yeah, yeah. The Seattle Seahawks story is great. You've got to check it out. It's pretty interesting. So I've been telling him, it's like, Wolfie, you've slept in this room alone every single night of your life since you were six months old. You'll be just fine by yourself. You are you are expert at this. You'll be super fine. In fact, you sit here and you talk to Bunny the whole morning when you wake up early, you'll be just fine. I oh, know, Dad, I'll be fine. Okay, stand up. Boom, he's there. So- <laughs> He just stares at me with his eyes open the whole time. I've started, I started just trying to sit with him while mm-hmm. he fell asleep, but he just stares at me with his eyes open waiting for me to jump. Right. And sometimes he goes to bed at seven. Uh, so he's normally asleep by seven, so we get in there by 22 with all the stories and stuff. Wow. Yeah, I would sit next to him and just do box breathing, just trying to down-regulate myself, hoping that that would down-regulate him, but he wouldn't. He would just stare at me. And so it, this would go for like two hours. And I'd just be, what I generally do is I'd be waiting for the, for the sigh. Yeah. When they go, <sighs> which happens about 90 seconds to two minutes after they fall asleep. And then I'd be like, okay, full stealth mode, stand up super quietly, yeah. tiptoe, tiptoe. This is the moment where you're like Indiana Jones, where you're weighing up the bag of sand with Mate, the idol. You're like, oh. I am. <laughs> but Charlie, it's an old house. It's an old house. Yeah. You live in an old house too. Yeah. And you just take one wrong, with all the rain, you take one wrong step, with yeah. the, not the floorboard that used to be a quiet floorboard, one creak, yeah. and then pew, he's holding onto my knee going, you know, daddy, stay with me. So I tried to desensitize him to this. I tried to create a game, make it okay for him to stay in bed. So I got him to sit in his bed and I'd leave the door open. So the door opens to the left and his bed is behind the open door, if you know what I mean. Yep. So 
And I would okay, see if you can guess what animal I am. So I'd walk out behind the closed door, count to five, and then come back in and go, moo, moo. Oh, you're a cow. Okay, cool. Then I'd go back outside, pull the door about five degrees more closed, wait 10 seconds, go in, bok, 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 and you're a chicken. And then we kept doing that. I work up to the door closed. And once the door was closed and I started at 10 seconds again, and I worked it all the way up to a minute that he would sit there and I was watching on the monitor. He'd just sitting there holding Bunny, waiting for me to come back in. And I was being a digger and I was being a skateboard and I was, you know, I was pretending to be everything. But he would just be cool just to sit there waiting, knowing I would come back in. I can tell you right now that it ended up, it didn't work. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I was, I was really engaged with that. I was like, what a victory. I thought it was. <laughs> and then bedtime happened. Um, so we're, we're still trying with the method we're using and he's getting it slowly. The cot's still in the room and we're using the method of, I know you really want to sleep in the big bed. Yeah, I do. I really want to sleep in the big bed. Okay, Wolfie. So I'm going to leave you in the big bed and I'm going to kiss you goodnight and I'll walk out of the room. And if you get out of the big bed, that's you telling me I want to sleep in the cot, that you're a big boy now and big boys sleep in big beds. Big people sleep in big beds. Mum sleeps in a big bed. Dad sleeps in a big bed. Georgia sleeps in a big bed. Mm. And I know you want to sleep in the big bed. Yes, I do. Okay. But if you get out of the big bed, that's you saying, I want to sleep in the cot. Okay? Okay. I get out of the room and Charlie, he's up to, like he'll protest cry with his feet on the edge of the mattress about 10 centimetres off the floor because the mattress is very close to the floor. And he'll, he's gotten up to about three to four minutes, which right. is pretty amazing. And then kind of like me in the hot, cold plunge pool at the, you know, the recovery place I go to for my hip where, where the water's like 50 degrees, he goes like just a toe at a time to see if I'll come back in the room. And then he gets <laughs> one foot, kid. it goes off again, then one foot and then both feet. And then he stands up and then boom, 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 boom over to the door. And then I have to pick him up. And then we do the bluefin tuna into the tinny and it's like trying to get him into the cot and... Um, then there's a lot of protest, but then about five minutes later, he's asleep. <sighs> but that's where we are. We're just, hopefully he'll get it. But we're at three and a half, four minutes at this point. So hopefully we'll get there, man. Well, that's progress. Jeremy and I had a, an interesting argument <laughs> during the week. Are they ever not interesting? They're always interesting. <laughs> Iona, she's been through the wars. She, she's been sick and she'd been indoors, a lot of rain, that kind of stuff. And we finally did a little family excursion into town. And it was sort of like mid to late morning. And there's an ice cream shop in town. And as we're walking past, Iona said, I want an ice cream. And Jem, without hesitation, is like, okay, we'll get you an ice cream. And I, I just was like, hang on, it's like 11 a.m. Isn't like ice cream to this point has been like at least an afternoon treat, if not- At least. Uh, if not a nighttime treat. And Jem was like, well, yeah, but she's had like a shit few days and what's the harm? I mean, you know, you'll get her a croissant. So then we get into a- heated debate about the nutritional value of like an ice cream versus a croissant. I didn't do the research. I mean, she could well, very well be right that like a, you know, a, a croissant has less nutritional value or the butter content or the fat content of a, but it sort of led me into this kind of, I got sort of huffy about it. And then it, like most things when it comes to parenting, it sort of made me think about my own childhood and how I was raised. And 
uh, a thing we talk about often is how I was one of nine. And so treats in my house were a very, very rare occurrence. Like we just, mum and dad just couldn't afford <laughs> to give treats. You know, like you maybe got McDonald's on your birthday. We never had like, you know, ch- packets of chips in the house or biscuits or anything like that because mm-hmm. when you've got that many kids in the house, you can't have anything that's super attractive or sweet because it'll just go. So your mum buys the yeah. most boring assorted biscuits. She buys the most boring of kind of things because that will last. So it made me wonder, like, am I just a, some kind of prude when it comes to treats? Like, are we setting a dangerous precedent by giving her breakfast ice cream? You know, like, how often do we give treats? Because I'd say that in our household, it's like 90% healthy eating. I do all the cooking in the house yeah. and I'm very conscious of the fact that she gets a lot of nutrition, you know, lots of fruit, a lot of vegetables, you know, a lot of really good high quality food. But of course you want to reward them. You know, you want to kind of uh, enjoy the meal you're eating out. You'll get them a treat. But then I started to go like, how much is too much? And is the timing of the treat an issue? How do you guys go with the giving of treats? I'm with you on this one, mate. And I understand where Gemma's coming from and I totally get it. For me, it's the the idea that the impulsivity of it is a thing that I'm more concerned about is that I walk past this place, I ask for this, it comes to me. You know, that's the thing that I'm like, hang on a second here. Like, <laughs> what are we setting up? What precedent are we setting <laughs> You know, but then Audrey will be like, just fucking relax, man. Yeah. We're not we don't walk past you all the time. It's okay. And kids will will try it on all the time, won't they? Like yeah. it's not the first time Iona has just asked for something impulsively. But this was just one time where we yeah. conceded and and it's weird, isn't it? Because yeah. you sort of create these rules for yourself in your own mind, which is like well, the first thing for me is like, well, I would never have got that ice cream, you know, when I was her age. So therefore she will <laughs> yeah. never get it. Without actually yeah. exploring for a second. Well, yeah. maybe I would have been fine if I had been given that ice cream. Maybe there were factors, you know, different to what I'm dealing with was why I didn't get the ice cream. But I, I guess I sort of was becoming, I'm becoming conscious of the fact she's an only child mm. at this stage. And so there is a tendency, like it's fun to see your kid happy. It's fun to kind of buy them yeah. a toy. It's fun to kind of, like when I look at her bedroom, I'm often like far out, man. My bedroom didn't look like this. When I was a kid, like, again, I was sharing with all my siblings, but, you know, yeah. she's got a little teepee in her room. She's got all these toys. It's There is part of me that's like, well, you know, what kind of child am I going to be raising? Like, she's, she has all these things. But maybe my expectations, the way I was raised or the, the, the you know, the parameters I was given as a kid don't necessarily apply to her. Like, like I said, with them making the meals, like we eat 90% healthy all the, you know, most mm. of the time we eat 90% healthy. And so an ice cream here and there, is it really going to do any damage? We're not buying her toys every day. It's just that, you know, when yeah. she gets a toy, she gets a toy. And if I'm honest, she's not a demanding kid where she is constantly pointing out things she wants or, or you know, these are the, these are the things that she likes. But I'd be interested to talk to Steph to find out like, where should you fall on the treat side? Like, are you creating unrealistic expectations by impulse buying stuff? Or if you are setting a, a pretty good precedent at home, is it okay to just occasionally like flick them things? I'm looking forward to what she says because honestly, I am I am along the same lines as you. I, I will react as in like, but we can't do this. He will become a monster <laughs> yeah. and he will end up in a pink shirt as a real estate agent demanding <laughs> that everyone, you know, no, we can't, we can't do this. And always like, fuck off. It's a cookie. Just relax. He'll be fine. Yeah. Just relax. <laughs> We're going to get to emails in just a sec. 
If you do want to get in touch with us, it's real easy. Askdadpod at gmail.com. That's your email address. It's super simple. Joe has written, big fan of the podcast. My little guy's turning one this month. A uh, couple of big lessons to me have been around patience. Everything takes a little longer these days and sometimes things don't go to plan. It goes without saying that babies don't sleep when you want. They can be fussy with food. They may even throw your plans out the window when you're having when they're having a bad day. And if you're not prepared for a little one, I think that stuff could really get to you. Joe's really touched upon a very important point that I, I've spoken to other dads that did have a hard time adjusting to this. The idea of what do you mean I can't do what I want when I want? Yeah. Were you prepared for that when Iona showed up? Um, I think so, but it still is a rude awakening. Like that frustration and that that where I really noticed my lack of patience is in the moments where you feel like you're wasting time, like she won't go to sleep and you're just sitting there and, and your mind is racing through all the things that you'd much rather be doing or that you could be doing. It's like if this kid would just go to sleep, then I could get to the office and I could, you know, send that email or I could do that thing. But the thing I keep reminding myself about is that this, this phase of her being a toddler, she was a baby for only about, what, six months, nine months. Mm. And then she was an infant for about six months. And now she's a toddler. And this stuff is all passing really, really quick. So I just try to remember that, that before I know it, I'm going to be looking back at these memories, like really fondly, like when she was little, when I could pick her up, when I could cuddle her, you know? So it's, that's how I try and kind of place myself in the moment and be more patient is just thinking like, this may feel frustrating to you, but it is a micro dot drop in the ocean of what her life is going to be. And I don't want to be one of those, you know, cats in the cradle dads who looks back and goes, oh, I wasn't there for the, you know, when she learned how to sleep. I wasn't there for when she rode a bike. You know, you want to just kind of, as frustrating as it is and as much as you've got much better things to be doing, like this is incredibly important and will only happen once. In a conversation with, I know, a big friend of your other show in an exchange with uh, Russell Crowe, I was talking to him about he was like, how's things with the baby? And I'm like, this, that, and the other, but I don't want to end up being the guy in the Harry Chapin song. And he just wrote that, mate, no matter how hard you try, at some point we all end up being the man in the Harry Chapin song. <laughs> so, you know, if Maximus Aurelius is saying, it's okay if it happens every now and again, it's okay if it happens every now and again. But I have had this conversation. I was at a, a actual, actually went to a dinner party, Charlie. I went to like, oh, see wow. other human beings for the first time in two years. It was Bloody amazing. Duh. And mates of ours are expecting. And- I remember people telling me this before Wolfie arrived going, get your sleep now, take your weekends away now and go and do all the shit you want to do now because all that goes away. But not as a threat. And I remember us talking about this in the early episodes of the show, we did kind of say we were looking forward to that. We couldn't wait to let that stuff go because I think because we both came to uh, fatherhood uh, later on. Mm. I mean, Georgia came into my life when I was 41. If I was in my 20s or early 30s and I was still like, what? So I got a phone call, I got a text going, mate, Blah blah's got a minibus. We're all going to play a round of golf down at Kangaroo Valley. Are you in? Yes. And I'd be in a Uber in ten minutes, and I'd be out the door, and I have a weekend away without even knowing about it. Letting go of that kind of mobility might feel to you as if it is a punishment or mm. a drag. And yeah, Charlie, I agree with you. And it's like I sit there when I'm trying to get Wolfie to go to sleep. I'm literally like the books. I just go the fuck to sleep, mate, because <laughs> I've got to take the bins out and I've got to do the laundry and I've. I've is shit I've got to get done. And yet it's not as bad as the reward. No, it never is. It's still amazing. It's still 
just amazing. And and those phone calls or, or the, you know, the text going, this party's going on or someone saying this is happening or, mm. you know, we're going away on a, on a drop of a hat, that stuff is fun, but it is not as fun as watching your kid master the reverse tummy slide down the slide the yeah. next day. Or well, as, as fucking my, amazing. As my mother said to me, uh, you know, a mother of nine children, she said, it is a great thing that children are as adorable as they are because it's the only reason you'd put up with all that shit. <laughs> and I think it's so oh. true. Like it is this magic chemical formula that happens where yeah. – from the outside or before you become a parent, you think there's no way I can't fucking stand it. You know, you're at a cafe and a kid's having a tantrum and you're at the other table going, oh my God, how can those parents like put up with that? Yeah. But something happens when it's your kid and you do get frustrated and it is annoying, but all they have to do is smile at you. All they have to do is give you a cuddle. All they have to do is one of those things and it's all erased. It's it's like the 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 men in black thing. <laughs> you just the Yeah, new, it the, really is. The neuralizer. You just like forget. Thanks for your email, Joe. If you'd like to email us, write to us, askdadpod at gmail com. We are going to speak to an absolute expert in the field of early childhood education. Stephanie Simopoulos is on the show today. She's going to set us straight about getting babies to bed and when is it okay to give ice cream? And Charlie, we're, we're very grateful to have back on the show from the Froebel Early Education Centre in Melbourne. She's a centre director there. She's got 14 years of early childhood education experience. Stephanie Simopoulos, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Your ability to bring wisdom to our kind of Luddite questions about how to not destroy our children's lives early on <laughs> is great. Let's be honest. <gasps> thank you. Charlie and I were talking earlier about um, we're struggling getting Wolfie to sleep in his big bed. We're transitioning into a cot. Last time we were on the show, you mentioned talking to them about it when the situation's de-escalated and kind of reminding them what's going on. And and I, so I was trying that. I was like, okay, Wolf, you've slept by yourself in your room every night since you were six months old. You'll be just fine. The cot's just over there. You can go to sleep in your bed. When I walk out of the room, you'll be all right. And I stand up from the bed. And by the time my hand's on the door, he's at my feet. And he, he, he can't deal. So we started trying to play a little game where I would come and go from the room, trying to work up his patience with the door shut. And I was coming in pretending to be an animal or something. And I got him up to like a minute and 10 seconds. And I thought victory, but then sure enough, bedtime, all over. Before you became a parent, did you ever think that these theatre sports games would become such a essential part of the of your arsenal like the, the, <laughs> well, the level of improvisation Charlie, you have to have it's like whose line is it anyway that you've got to be an animal you've got to be a skateboarder you've got to be a farmer do you pretend to sleep as well yes i'm really good at that i box breathe but i'll have you know charlie that when i was in los angeles uh, when i was living there when i wasn't doing australian idol on the down low i was studying improv at the upright citizens brigade and i am using every <laughs> single one of my skills that i learned there when it comes to imaginative play okay i need an occupation and a location and a stuffed toy all right here we go Space it's jump. a windy day <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we've since coming up with a different strategy about getting him into the into the cot. But what what have you learned about you know you you kids are still having a nap at your your centre? What have you learned about kids not wanting to sleep in the you know out of the cot when they're getting just too big for the big bed and they want to get up and wee? That kind of when you have to get them out of the cot. What have you learned that works well when it's trying to transition them into the big bed, Stephanie? Well, I'm sure that both of you, I guess, having children that do attend early education services you probably don't find that they have the same problem. Like they must sleep all the time there and you just think, are you guys wizards and how yeah. do you do that? No. 
<laughs> so basically here it's a lot different because it's peer-oriented. You see all your mates doing the same thing. Naturally, you want to do that. But at home, it is not right. peer-oriented because once you leave a room, your children are going to be like, well, I want to go and do what they're doing. Um, and, you know, you're obviously not sleeping now, so why would I sleep now? I'm going to miss out on the fun. Osha, I think your situation is actually different because if you've got a lot of older children at your house that are not going to bed at the same time, he's missing the party. Like why would I want to go to sleep when I've got other people in the space that are not sleeping yeah. at all and I He wants know to that. go to Club 77. <laughs> 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 Absolutely, but children are really intuitive and I think they also feed off your anxiety and in those moments when you're trying to put them to sleep and you're getting increasingly frustrated and you are trying to play all these games, like they get it. So the best thing that I can suggest is really having that routine before bed. So I guess that you also have to make a commitment to what you're willing to do. So we're going to read two books. And then I'm going to close the door or turn on your nightlight. You can have some music on, but really starting that wind down routine. I think sometimes busy working parents would get in more of a habit where you would be rush, 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 rush. But if you've got an opportunity to begin a bedtime routine, say your child goes to bed at eight o'clock. If you've got an opportunity to begin that routine at six o'clock, and that doesn't start by going into a bedroom at six o'clock, but that might start by after dinner, we're going to have a bath and we might do it with, you know, some Johnson and Johnson's and make, make everything quite mm. calm. And then we're going to go into the room and then we're going to make the room dark. And then we're not going to be afraid of this bed and all those kind of things. You're making your child a lot calmer before that moment in time. And it's not dissimilar to our routines. Cause I don't know if you guys are anything like me. If I go to bed and I'm on my phone and my mind is going, I won't go to sleep instantly. So quite often when you do have children that are at an age where they can watch TV, you might be like, all right, you can have half an hour of TV before bed. And then they're going to bed, maybe even the same wired way as we are. So there are a couple of things to think about, but um, particularly just getting into a really good routine and also talking to your children about, I guess, what you're going to commit to and what your rules are in the space or what your ritual is going to be in the space. So I'm going to read two books and, you know, it's dad's turn to read two books or it's mum's turn to read two books or however you want to do it and this is what we're going to do and then we're going to go to bed. And unfortunately, persistence is key. Uh, you got a time frame on that persistence because it's been a couple of weeks and no one's sleeping here. <laughs> weeks. I was going to say it might be longer. Because <laughs> I guess the knock-on effect, Stephanie, the knock-on effect is that, um, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this and I'm sure my wife won't have a problem with me saying this, the time for us to have a conversation that is not logistical about our family mm. is normally after bed. After Wolfie's yeah. bedtime, we have that kind of maybe hour and a half, two hours before we're both so toasted we have to sleep ourselves. But if we're in his room until 9, 9.30, both of us are just, you know, I'm outside the room by myself or she's outside the room by herself and then it's like 10 o'clock and one of my eyes is falling, closing, and yeah, a week absolutely. goes by and we yeah. haven't said anything to each other that isn't, are you taking him to daycare tomorrow? What time is your meeting? And yeah, so absolutely. our relationship, our, remote, our romantic connection starts to suffer. Suffer. Absolutely. I, you know, you're 100% not the first person that's happened to. I, I have heard this before, definitely through parents that have come through my services, so other things that you can do, and I mean, this just depends on how much you need the space or the time to yourselves. You can obviously look at sleep consultancy and things like that if you're absolutely at your wit's end. I would say after a couple of weeks, you've probably got a little bit more time to try and do your routine. 
However, one thing that you can do, and I mean, it's not the first thing that I'd probably do, but again, I'm all for whatever works as a parent, you have to do it. I think that when a lot of people become parents, they say things like, I would never give my child a dummy or an iPad or whatever. Do what works for you as a parent too. Like you, you have to have some sanity. Have you ever tried kind of sitting with him and patting him or rubbing his head or anything like that? Yeah. Do you do it for longer than a couple of minutes? Yeah, but now that's the game. The game is I'm going to keep watching you until you get up to go. How do you feel about, I mean, I'm definitely also not for um, this controlled kind of crying thing. Like it's not, no, it's not anything good. that I would I would do as a first preference. But another thing that you can do is obviously bargaining. Definitely saying, you know, we're going to keep trying to sleep and this is what we're going to do tomorrow, but you have to do this before you go to sleep. Right. Uh, go, like as in going to the zoo. So even if you're saying like tomorrow morning we're going to have pancakes for breakfast, but when the the hand on this clock gets to this time, that's what time I'm going to leave your room and then tomorrow morning we're going to do this. There's also these great clocks that you can get that show a child when they should be sleeping. Right. They have lights on them and when the light is at one colour you're allowed to be awake and when the light is a different colour you have to be asleep. So definitely like... Having children is a lot of bargaining and, you know, trying to come to the party a lot with things. But I would definitely be, you know, trying to explain even when this hand is on this time of the clock, let's yeah. go to bed then. So I've got no skill in this game because I, I have a manager that I pay a percentage to to do all my negotiation for me. So maybe I'll bring Lauren in uh, and Lauren can do all the bedtime negotiation for me and take a sweet 15%. Of do you know what? Sadly... <laughs> I think that children sometimes work in this way that if she did that, he'd probably go straight to sleep. Yeah, for sure. Because it's not me or mum. Because yeah. it's not you or mum. Yeah. You know. It's like when you get a babysitter yeah. or a nanny come over. Oh, and they were perfect and they did nothing yeah. wrong and nothing happened and we, you know, did crafts and everyone was lovely and no one hurt each other. Yeah, absolutely. Like children are on their best behaviour for people that aren't you. Always. <laughs> Steph, when it comes to setting expectations, an issue that we uh, ran into, my wife and I, last week was uh, uh, the awarding of, a, of an ice cream in mid-morning, which I was horrified by. And it sort of led to an argument where I was like, I don't know if we should be creating this precedent of like, to give you some context, Iona had been ill, had been raining a lot, and we're out, you know, or going past the ice cream shop and she asked for it. And her mum thought, well, you know what? She's had a rough few days. What's the harm in giving an ice cream? And I was saying to Osh, like, it kind of triggered me a little bit because I was a kid who didn't grow up with a lot of treats or a lot of rewards. I came from a big family and, you know, you didn't really get treats when you asked for them. You might point them out, but you'd never get them. Am I being too kind of like hard ass about this? Like, is there, <laughs> or is my wife creating sort of unrealistic expectations that now every time we go past the ice cream shop, Iona's going to expect that she'll ask and she shall receive? I don't think that she'll get into a habit where, she thinks that that's that expectation. Like I, I think that, you know, there are different places that you can reward children and there are different, you know, one-off occasions that will happen and I think that parents sometimes do that individually to kind of feel good about themselves and think that they're doing something really nice for their child too. I don't think it's going to create a bad habit as such and I also think it's 
good that you explain the value of foods to children, but I often don't think it's a good idea to call something a good or a bad food because we know that where mm. we are now in life, there's a lot to do with good and bad, bad foods and the way that children view foods and the way adults view right. foods because of obviously a plethora of things like social media. Mm. Having an ice cream in the morning is probably something that I wouldn't think to do because it's having an ice cream in the morning and there are other things that we can do. So I guess in that situation, perhaps if she saw an ice cream shop, perhaps your wife would be like, well, I'll buy one for you now and you can have it after dinner. But at the end of the day, I mean, as a one-off, I don't think it's going to, you know, put her into any false sense of security that now she's having an ice cream for breakfast every morning. I think you're safe. When it comes to sort of buying treats or gifts or things 90% 90% of the time, I think it's more about us. It's more about the the kind of release of endorphins that we get from seeing the kid happy. Like, I'm sure that Iona could do with like 50% less stuffed toys, you know, but she has like a room filled with all these things because it's great when you get, you know, you feel so good. You get that warm rush when, you know, language. they get that toy that Absolutely. they want. Yeah. yeah, but then there is part of me which is like a Dickens novel where I'm like, no, <laughs> like children should be cleaning <laughs> chimneys and they should be sleeping on a hardwood floor with just a potato. That's the only thing that they should be entitled to. So they learn the value of hard work. Yeah, absolutely. Because of all the, you know, potato sacks we slept on when we were children. Um, it's definitely, I think that that's a question that comes more down to what the morals in your home are. I know that. Between my partner and I, if we had a child, we've already spoken about some of the things that he would not tolerate and I would not tolerate. And I think that I, obviously I take quite a holistic approach to children and I know that he's like true blue Australian and sometimes I think about the things that will happen and just already cringe at the thought of them because they're not the same as what my beliefs are. But you do have to come to an agreement between you and your partner or the other parent and figure out what you want to show is okay. There's no reason that you can't spoil your children. You love them. And I think that spoiling your child for the sake of spoiling a child is okay as opposed to giving them everything they want exactly when they want it. Right. I think that coming home with a gift, you know, I don't think it's setting a precedent. I don't think the memory of that is quite as good. You bringing home something nice just because you've seen it and you thought that they'd like it is really different to kind of being demanded into a situation where you have to bring something home. Yeah. Also, in the society that we're in in the moment, it's probably also a good idea to look at what we need. Like there are so many things going on and if you want to teach your children about valuing the things that they have, it's always a good idea to explain why we need the things we have too. Yeah. I think we all grew up watching Willy Wonka and there's this fear that we're going to have a child that's Veruca Salt. (laughs) So, like, we're all, like, desperate to make sure that they know the value of things. Oh, I see it too. Sometimes when I see even my friend's children and they do something that I know isn't great, the first thing I think to myself is that will be my child all the time. That's who I will get. <laughs> you know, I don't think I don't think it's ever perfect. And I think that as long as you're kind of role mo- modelling the right behaviours and within your family you do do the things that you want to do and your children will see that, you know, if you've got good mm. manners and if you're kind, your children will see those things. And if they're getting an ice cream for breakfast or a couple of stuffed toys every day, I don't think that's going to make them morally any different as a human. Charlie, I'm sorry to say, but the uh, the expert has come down on Gemma's side in this scenario. I know. Uh, <laughs> I really, she's going to make sure she never I listens know, to this episode. I just brought it up again, didn't I? <laughs> that's no, okay. I feel like I've, no. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's, and, and, but the thing is, like, I'm, I was with Charlie. 
I was with Charlie. I'm like, no, but we will create a monster. I, I expand it to... Uh, I make anything mean everything in this situation. I'm like, well, if we do this, then forever he will be that. And Audrey's like, come off it, mate. It's just a croissant. It'll be fine. It's yeah. just, it's fine. Yeah, we don't walk past her every day. He likes it. Love him shoving in his mouth. It'll be fine. Stephanie, you're absolutely wonderful for taking the time to speak to us. Thank you so much uh, for being on the show. And we can't wait to have you back. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Steph. Bosh, I feel like we've learnt so much today from Steph. When it comes to rewards, it feels like maybe I'm a bit too uptight. I think if, you know, you've got a good stable home, you're teaching good morals and ethics and feeding a good food 90% of the time, what's wrong with a bit of breakfast ice cream? Just get your hand off it, Clawson. That's what I'll say to myself. <laughs> I am I'm along those lines and I needed to hear that from Steph today. I am way too uptight about it. I'm not creating a monster. No. It's just a kid that wants a treat and it's fine. And as far as getting Wolfie to get into his big bed a little bit more, understanding that he's very intuitive and he, he's feeding off my anxiety is really important. And the idea of starting our wind down routine even earlier, like hours earlier, that's kind of new to me. And I'm just going to have to persist, mate. We're just going to have to keep going. And if it means promising him pancakes for breakfast, then, mate, I'm going to make him pancakes for breakfast. And you're going to save yourself a fortune in improv classes. You won't need to get to the fourth <laughs> level of the UCB Academy. <laughs> I think I got it. I got pretty far. I think I did. I got pretty far. I can't remember. It was about time when I came back to do Bachelor. It was actually really helpful. It changed the way I did my TV job. It was actually really good. Never got that job on SNL, but that's fine. <laughs> um, mainly because I was a bit shit at it. If you ever want to get in touch with us, you can email askdadpod at gmail.com. We're also at dadpodgram on Instagram. If this podcast brings you value, the very best thing you can do for us is tell a mate, tell another dad, tell a dad-to-be, tell a mum, tell your mum. Just let people know about the show. We'd love that support. It really, really, really helps us. Rate, like, subscribe. Whatever you want. And um, we're aiming to have a fist fight with Maggie Dent at the Australian Podcast Awards <laughs> this year for Best Parenting Podcast. That's what's going to go on, okay? I promise you that. Come at us, Maggie. What have you got, huh? 14 books? Well, wait one second until Dad Pod gets on the scene. <laughs> She's amazing. Uh, thanks so much. And until we see you next time, Charlie. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. 